1: On the Advertising Show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and uh, welcome back for another weekend here with uh, a couple of hours that we talk nothing about uh, about the gardening and or auto repair. <laughs> it's, it's all about advertising and marketing. Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production. Back from our, uh, our trip to uh, Nashville, and boy, are our arms tired. Yuck, mm-hmm. yuck, yuck, yuck. So yes, hey Brad, I forgot to ask you before the show here momentarily. What are we uh, What are we looking at this week? Are the upside good. or the downside of advertising? No,
2: we're looking at the downside. Yeah, no, it's a it's... good it's a good spot, but we're looking at the downside, okay. and we just have to stay tuned for that. No smiley face though, is what you're saying. Correct. Okay. And, and by the way, you mentioned AAF, the uh, 100th uh, Anniversary American Advertising Federation in Nashville. I, I, you've got good news, Ray. They've uh, found your billfold. I just can't mention on the air where they found it. <laughs> At the Willie Nelson Wax Museum and Convenience <laughs> Store. Very nice Y'all. store. Uh, very, yeah. Very and, nice uh, store. Very expensive deodorant there, too. <laughs> exactly. <on my>
1: <laughs> well, as we talked about, the Gaylord Opryland Resort is being biosphere. It's uh, it's very similar, and uh, certainly if you weren't in shape when you arrived at that resort, you would be after
2: you're done, either sure. that or dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, no, it was yeah, a nice it, place, nice place. It is a nice place, and it's one of those uh, facilities that truly, uh, if you wanted to, you could stay right there. And many many of our listeners, I'm sure, have been to the uh, Gaylord Upper Land uh, Resort. But it's one of those facilities that have, gosh, what was it, Ray, uh, five, ten restaurants? And I know we know the number of bars that are there because we visited <laughs> each one of those. But, uh, uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's all-encompassing. No, it's, huge. Uh, it's huge.
1: Yeah, it is huge. It's uh it's also $20 away from the airport. <laughs> and very expensive beer. <laughs> and very expensive beer, exactly. <laughs> hey, we've yeah. got a couple of great guests on the advertising show today. Uh, Fred Sir is on the, uh, on the phone right now, and uh, in the green room, he is the co-founder and executive producer of Captains of Industry Advertising and Marketing Communications, and also the viral video creator of the Institute for Backup Trauma, starring John Cleese. So we've got him on the phone, and we'll be talking with... Uh, uh, fred in just a few minutes here uh alec gerster is our second hour guest he is ceo of initiative worldwide interpublic uh, group and uh that is uh, going to be in hour number two so we'll be talking mm-hmm. to him as well and he's not it on the be a lot of fun yeah right. absolutely we we'll see we only have right. one phone line coming here to the studio you see well
2: we're gonna have to get uh, get what southwestern bell on that soon? bell telephone
1: out here they'll bell fix phone. it up
2: yeah That's exactly true. so uh what's been cooking with you well, you know, I came across this uh, interesting uh, bit here, of course we 've been talking about and heard for a long time now that the Today show is uh, suffering from ratings uh, decline, and the Today show is about to admit i believe Ray that they made a mistake several years ago when they show lengthened to a two from a two to a three hour segment uh, and uh, the extra hour has been a huge nightmare, and it will soon end you know Katie Matt Ann and Al are favorites they yeah. will continue to do the first two hours, but NBC. It is said uh, we'll be uh, creating a different show uh, to keep up with the live with uh, Regis and Ke- Kelly as well as other programs, oh, but it will still be it will still be called Today. So apparently the uh, the last hour, the third third hour, when you used to see uh, uh, Matt and Katie huffing and puffing and, and going, my goodness, three hours. Well, yeah. they didn't get an increase in their in their wage, which they should. And Katie's uh, making a pretty fancy uh, buck or two on that show anyway, mm-hmm. but. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what that third hour will be uh, sometime in the very near future.
1: There used to be. Well, who's number two in that uh, in that race? Do you know? Is it is it? uh, I believe
2: I believe uh, uh, ABC is number one, and CBS the uh, morning program for CBS early show. I think they call it. Is uh, cl- is uh, closing in uh, on uh, NBC uh, on today's Show, but for uh, for Good Morning America to have overtaken the uh, almost always reliable NBC n- yeah, in okay. the number one position is quite a quite a feat.
1: There a long time ago there was a show on FX, the, the FX network. It was called Breakfast Time. Does anybody remember Breakfast Time? It was uh-uh. a very 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 good show, and it was on hmm. for a while, then it was gone. Um, and uh, some of those folks, you still sti- see them on other shows, but it, it, w- it went away. And it was kind of sad because it was a very unique twist. It was better, I believe, than the, the Fox Morning, uh, Fox and Friends thing. I just don't get that show as much no. as every uh, everybody else gets it. Oh, and also Bill Hemmer. We saw that. Uh, we were reading about this oh, yeah. big, uh, this past week. He is uh, His last uh, show uh, on the morning show on CNN's American Morning is going to be, I think, um, well, I think it's uh, sometime this week. And they're going to replace mm-hmm. him with... Uh, Who's the lady who uh, who's on there with him? Uh, Solidad O'Brien. Yeah, it's going to be O'Brien and O'Brien in the morning. There's some other O'Brien guy from CNN. So Bill Hemmer is off the show.
2: And I heard Jack Cafferty's also leaving. Oh yes, Well, that's the fine. old old angry man Jack,
1: grumpy Jack. <laughs> what, exactly.
2: Right. Uh, you know, you were mentioning uh, Nashville. I, w- I want to say something here, Ray. I didn't get to share with you or the or our uh, our uh, audience there in Nashville. Mm-hmm. But watching daytime television, the opportunity to watch Maury and Dr. Phil and uh, all of the other daytime programs, I just want to make one announcement. God, I feel normal. <laughs> yes, you do. And i mean, your sister you?
1: and, and brother-in-law in West
2: Virginia. But I'm married, uh, married to Yes, yes exactly. that's true.
1: Let's check in right now with uh, Patrick Meyer here on the Advertising Show with Ray Schoens and Brad Forsyth.
3: Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider, featuring Patrick Meyer.
4: Here are some secret tips that I'm going to pass on to my advertising friends. Recently, the president of a major company asked me to do an agency search for him. I explained that I've done that a couple times, but that's not what I'm all about, and that I would probably come at it a very different way. He said, that's what I'm looking for. You're a progressive marketer who understands how to drive my business, so help me find agency resources capable of delivering advertising and marketing ideas that will deliver impact. So we started with 30 agencies, we narrowed it down to 15, then took it all the way down to four finalists and then selected one finalist agency. So here are the observations across weeks and weeks of hearing agencies step forward, come back with interaction back and forth, strategic discussion, etc. Number one, it's all about energy and passion. You will not win in a shootout unless your people are energized, passionate and upbeat. Number two, big ideas. This is what drives the whole pitch. Number three, understand who you are and what makes you unique. Number four, come in in 3D. To bring in a PowerPoint and present what you're about and maybe a reel, go home. If you can't come in and surprise and delight in 3D, you'll never get there. And that includes upfront and even on the back end. So my message to you is your total go-to-market approach from your presenters, the team, and even your financial people all have to be in concert and all reflect what your agency is about.
3: You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing.
4: This is Patrick Meyer, CEO of NOW, and remember, the marketing revolution has begun. For more, go to nowinc.net. On The
1: Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth, in uh, just a few minutes, we're going to hook up with uh, Fred Sir, who is co-founder and executive producer of Captains of Industry, and marketing communications, Uh, talking to uh, Fred this afternoon out of uh, the Boston area, just outside of Boston, in a burb. Hmm. So we'll have Fred on the air momentarily. This is interesting, and I wouldn't think this would be a big deal, but apparently it is. It says, ethnic media is having problems closing big-ticket advertisers. According Hmm. to a recent poll by New California Media, ethnic media, including television, radio, and newspapers, reach 51 million adults residing in the United States. Despite the reach of ethnic media, Many outlets, both independent and corporately owned, are having problems attracting prominent national brands as advertisers. Now, how could that possibly be? I don't, I, don't g- I don't get that.
2: It is strange. And, you know, before we bring Fred on, uh, captains of industry, advertising, and marketing communications, if he ever wanted to create a Hispanic version of that, I guess it would have to be called Capitano Capitan. de Comercial. <laughs> uh, Capitan?
1: And he couldn't use John Cleese as his... Uh, as his uh, uh, personality on the, No, it'd the have
2: video. to be like Carlos Santana or somebody. That's
1: exactly right, Pancho Villa. That's Pancho uh, Villa. <laughs> you know. That's interesting. We were talking uh, again about this ethnic media thing mm-hmm. uh, years ago, and I and I believe this was uh, true. You tell me. Um, what I heard is that, uh, that, uh, that uh, the African-American radio stations and television stations were having big problems convincing people uh, that African-Americans bought stuff. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. hello. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I, I, I still find it very hard to believe that the Washington Post reports this in June. Of 2005. That's kind of weird. I don't know.
2: I think uh, what's, what's gone on is the uh, Hispanic population growth that was uh, noted in the 2000 census and all of the buzz that has uh, been created as a result of that and the attention to Hispanic marketing and the growth of the Hispanic uh, marketplace in general in the U.S. has kind of overshadowed the uh, targeting of African Americans. And there's also the argument that you can reach uh, African Americans in the uh, general uh, media uh, uh, environment, which I think there's an argument there. But on the other hand, I think, uh, you know, there, there's also an argument for, uh, what was it? We saw something a few years ago. I remember seeing an article where the uh, African-American market is not so acclimated to reading African-American newspapers. They tend to read the, the local. Mainstream, yeah. Yeah, the Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, right. So, you know, I don't know. Hispanics, I think, have a cultural uh, tie back to their own. Uh, media, and I'm not sure if the argument can be made so much uh, in terms of uh, dedicated African-American media, but certainly targeting the African-American is something, Ray, that you know you and I feel is uh, very under under uh, noticed and under. Uh, there's not much effort going years, on in that yeah, exactly yeah hey, and
1: yeah. by the way 877 ebn live is our phone line for the uh, for uh, your calls throughout the show here on the advertising show also a great place to go the show.com, a wealth of information on uh, uh, current guests and past guests as well Good place the show.com. in just a minute we will hook up with Fred Sir co-founder and executive producer Captains of Industry Advertising and Marketing Communications on the advertising show
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth.
5: Burgess is a darn good battery. In my hand, I have a Burgess battery, the darn good battery, and that other battery. Now, tell me what I am doing.
0: You just dropped the other battery. You're stomping on it.
5: Okay. Now, if you were going to select one of these two batteries, Burgess mm-hmm. or that other battery to use in your transistor, which one would you select? <laughs> I would choose uh, Burgess. It looks like it's in much better condition right now. Uh-huh, so we've established the fact that Burgess is the darn good batter. That's
1: oh, yeah. a good way to do to do that, destroy the competition and then show it <laughs> on television. That was right. a Chuck Bloor concept on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. As we welcome uh, Fred Surr to our show this hour. And uh, Fred is a co-founder and executive producer of Captains of Industry at Advertising and Marketing Communications. Uh, the uh, As VP and co-founder of Video Research, Inc., from 83 until 90, he co co-created, developed, and produced the uh, children's series Spinnaker Videos, which sold over 250,000 units in the home video market. Of course, he got a penny of, of uh, each of those. That was good. Uh, and The Adventure of Commander Crumbcake, a 13-episode series which aired on Showtime, Canada's global network, and in 22 overseas markets. Uh, Fred's directing credits also include their Once Was a Man from Pawtucket." A short comedy film selected to open the Providence Film Festival. Uh, Reading Rainbow, starring uh, LeVar Burton. That was a good show. The first Do Not Harm interactive uh, video series, considered uh, must see viewing in healthcare. And the Institute for Backup Trauma, backup, B A C K hyphen U P, trauma, starring John Cleese, who is a fine, fine actor. Hey, Fred, from uh, outside of Boston this Sunday afternoon, thanks for being on the advertising show.
6: Well, thanks for having me. Yeah.
1: We ran out of time with your bio. It's way too long, Fred. That's true. We're (laughs) going to have to wrap (laughs) this up. Thanks for being with us, Fred.
2: Go for it, uh, Fred. It sounds like, uh, Ray, that one of his credits there was an old uh, fraternity song you and I used to sing, but we don't want to get into that. Yes, exactly. Uh, Before we get into talking about your viral video, uh, the Institute for Backup Trauma uh, starring John Cleese, let's start with uh, defining for our audience, if we could, Fred, exactly what is a viral video.
6: Sure. Uh, the whole idea is, is really to create uh, a video clip that's uh, that lives on the web, that is in some ways either funny or, or for some other reasons very entertaining, uh, and becomes uh, interesting enough that people watch it, and then most importantly pass it along to their friends or colleagues, and then who then hopefully will then pass it on to their friends and their colleagues, and spread that message, spread that video's reach um, like a virus.
2: Yeah. And is is this relatively a new uh, new concept, or how long has this been around?
6: Well, the whole idea of uh, certainly of viral marketing has been around for a while. Um, right. Uh, and the w- the first viral video campaign we did was about fo- probably four or five years ago. Um, at the time, the, the installed base of broadband connections, which really obviously are what you really need to be able to, to easily watch video, was not as high as it was back then. Um uh-huh. But uh, in the last certainly in the last couple of years, you have sort of then seen that convergence where people are used to going to the web for enter- information and entertainment, and they also have you know a very high level of um, broadband access.
2: Yeah, well, that was my next question. If you're still hearing complaints from consumers saying that they can't watch a, a video on their PC due to either uh, software issues or internet connection issues, you still hear any of that today?
6: Not really. Um, th- I think that's largely gone away. I mean, th- the software issues have really become much simpler. Pretty much now, you just launch your browser, you click on the video, it'll play on most computers now.
1: I mean, you pretty much mm-hmm. can't buy a computer these days without having the, the, the sure. capable software, and computers last about oh six months.
6: Right. So. so it's, it's pretty yeah. well established in the operating systems, and then you know, obviously inside of companies, there's no problem at all. And and it, I think uh, you know, broadband penetration in houses is so high now that yeah. um, we didn't really hear any complaints about that.
2: Yeah, we're going to save, uh, again, talking about the uh, viral video in particular we're featuring on today's show uh, for next segment. But just in the less than one minute we have left, uh, Fred, what what does viral video mean to the advertising industry?
6: Well, there's a couple of things. Um, the first one, obviously, is that um, because consumers now have so many choices and so many ways to get information and, and, and entertainment, um, and with the advent of things like TiVo, that you've obviously got to make whatever message you're trying to get to your consumer, whether it's B2B or uh, B2C, you've got to have something that that they want to pull towards them. So you really, it's really important that you be, you know, highly entertaining um, because if you push an ad at someone, they're just going to walk away from it. They're going to click the channel. They're going to, you know, bounce, bounce past it on their TiVo box or else. Um, the other really interesting implication, I think, is also for either B2B marketers or niche consumer markets where traditionally they really couldn't afford broadcast advertising. It just wasn't economically viable for them. Now, if you've got a website, you've got a television channel.
1: Huh. As we proved uh, this past week with uh, respect to the uh, the advertising show and the AmericanAdvertisingFederation.org website as well, uh, uh, doing the Addy Awards, uh, streaming it globally live. Fred Sur is our guest uh, this hour on the advertising show, co-founder and executive producer, captains of industry advertising and marketing communications. It's Ray Shillens and Brad Forsyth, and we'll be back with more in just a minute.
0: Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show.
4: When
1: Well, we could let them sing that out, but you know, we have a show to do, Brad. So it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show. Did somebody just fall off a chair? Are we, are we there? Okay. Oh yeah. Okay, good, very good. <laughs>
2: Sorry, I was in the green room when Fred and I were talking. I
1: understand. It sounded like you fell over something, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have uh, Fred Sir, who's co-founder and executive producer of Captains of Industry Advertising and Marketing Communications. For the rest of this hour here on the Advertising Show. Next hour, it's going to be Alec uh, Gerster, who is CEO of Initiative Worldwide, and we'll be talking with Alec uh, in just a, well, just a, well, a little over an hour from now here. Yeah. With uh, let's let's do this before we get back uh, before we get back with Fred. Let's check in with. Uh, Jeffrey Gittimer. You know, last week it was such a hectic uh, schedule of interviews and everything like that. We didn't get a chance to to run some of our favorite folks. And this guy is one of them. It's it's, uh, Jeffrey Gittimer. It's new ideas and new thoughts on the advertising show.
3: Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense
7: commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. On March 23, 1992, I wrote my first column. I just reread it. It stunk. In fact, it espoused philosophies that I've either altered or done away with. I read a few more. Surprisingly, I still agree with most of what I wrote. But the quality of writing left a bit to be desired. Okay, I'm being kind to myself. The good news is, I've developed a self-discipline over the last 10 years that has forced me to create new ideas, new thoughts, and new strategies to help you sell better, serve better, be better, and earn better. And they've helped me too. The other day, somebody asked me how I do it. I responded, I don't write an article. I just collect ideas. I keep my eyes open. I pay attention to all that's around me. I keep my attitude permanently set on yes, and I write things down as fast as I see them. Do I ever get writer's block? Well, for the first 10 or 11 years so far, no. Reason? I just told you. I don't write. I collect ideas. But you don't care about me. You want to know what's in this for you. And since this is the beginning of my second decade of writing, I thought it would be fitting if I gave you a glimpse of what I believe lies ahead of you. This is not about how to make more sales now. Rather, it's about how to make sales forever. And they're a collection of my best ideas and concepts for superiority. And they work. At least they they work for me. I recommend that you go to my website, gittimer.com and read as much as you can of what I put up there weekly because new ideas is what you want to build your business forever and every one of the trends that I write about I believe to be essential to make you the salesperson a better earner and to get what you want more sales and to earn what you deserve to earn learn more It may be because your ad sucks. On the
1: Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe, back to our interview now with Fred Sir, who is co-founder and executive producer, Captains of Industry, Advertising and Marketing Communications. Fred, it's great to have you on today's show.
2: Thanks. Yeah, welcome back to the show, Fred. Uh, just before the break, you were talking about the couple of different uh, impacts that viral video will have on the advertising industry. Certainly, we've been talking for a long time here on the Advertising Show about how consumers are getting more control, gaining more control over uh, consuming media and deciding what gets uh, what gets exposed to them and what does not get exposed, that being the pull versus the push, as you were describing earlier. And then you also mentioned how uh, if you have a website, you have a channel for a television webcast. I can envision some of our listeners out there maybe not completely understanding what you mean by that. Talk a little bit about that, if you would, Fred.
6: Sure. Well, I mean, if you if you've got a a website for your company or for you know initiative you want to do, uh, it's it's relatively simple these days to um, create a piece of video and get it up on the website and make it easy people easy for people to link to it and and watch it. And uh, you know, traditionally, if you had to if you wanted to get across a motion picture message, you either had to put it on the air. Or you had to duplicate it and send it out to people. Both of which are obviously um, fairly expensive, and uh, you know you have to make sure you're targeting just the right people. Whereas if you've got it on your website, uh, you can draw people there. And the great thing about it is, once you jar- start drawing the right people there, they'll start drawing additional other right people there, and that doesn't cost
2: yeah, it- anything. Well, and as I was going to say, just for clarification, then we do not mean, and Fred does not mean, uh, a 30 second TV spot that you're running on your local cable company. We're talking about a. Uh, a video uh, product that hopefully is creative, intriguing, and unusual. And I think a great example of that is the Institute of Backup Trauma that featured uh, John Cleese. Uh, a, a product uh, or a video that was basically promoting uh, Live Vault uh, services. Let, let's start by sharing with our audience exactly what that vi- viral video was, what the purpose was behind it. And for those not familiar with it, just give us a, a brief description of, of the whole product there.
6: Sure. Um, Live Vault makes a, a computer. Cute uh, computer network backup system. Um, many computer networks are backed up these days with tape systems. They make a disk-based system that's also mirrored over the internet. And um, when we first started sitting down to talk to them about it, the, the thing that kept coming up was that um, because tape backup systems are are less reliable, um, people would go for years and think everything was fine, and then one day the computer system, the network went down. They go to grab those backup tapes, pop them in. Guess what? No backup. Um, or they would they would have parts of it but not all of it. And pretty quickly we, we got it became clear that a, a major pain point for the IT managers we were targeting was this this sort of um, horrifying moment when you realize that what you thought you had you don't have. And so kinda of quickly we came up with this this notion of this idea of backup trauma. <clears throat> and we all kinda of had a chuckle over that, but we realized that, you know, while it was kind of a funny idea, it was also right on strategy. And Then we said, well, you know, what could we do with that? And and from there we came up with the idea of creating this, this, you know, fictitious institute, the Institute for Backup Trauma, where those people that have been, you know, traumatized by by losing a backup um, can go and receive treatment, where there's research done, you know, all the things you'd see in a typical institute. When we were first contacted by LiveVault, they had actually already decided they wanted to try to do something that would go viral, and they had the idea that they wanted to use John Cleese. So um, as soon as we kind of put those two things together, the idea of having John Cleese in a lab coat walking around, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. introducing you to all the parts of the Institute, just seemed like kind of a natural, and then it went from there.
2: Yeah, and I I want to tell all of our listeners, if you are curious about this and you want to see a great example of a viral video, it's backuptrauma.com slash video. Uh, Backuptrauma.com slash video is a a place to go to see that video. And I got to tell you, uh, you know, for one that had no interest in Live Vault and having now seen the video, uh, and and, and gosh, you know, being strapped, I guess, with having to use John Cleese, there's a lot of complaints, I'm sure, about that, right? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what a great talent. Uh, I was curious if. was there any ad-libbing that John did when, uh, as I watched that video, I thought it was very well scripted, but it seemed like maybe there was a bit of ad-libbing going on with John during the shoot, was there?
6: Here's what's really interesting about him, even if you go back to the the Monty Python days, he's an, he's an amazing comic craftsperson, I mean, he really knows his stuff, and almost everything he does is planned. And we, uh, we had written a draft of the script, and sent him a draft of it, and then, um, Got on the phone with him and workshopped it with him over the course of an hour or so, and he he, he liked a great deal of what was there, but then he had some very specific comments. Um, you know, we're doing the I, I, I go into the you know the rant here, and he says, "But you've got it a little too soon. I need to be able to build up to it," um, hmm. and some other things like that. And then we just kind of worked it back and forth. So, um, it uh, you know he's got such a great comic style and sensibility. I mean, the guy's just brilliant Uh um, yeah, it's, it's just so much fun to work with him but
1: uh use that british word
6: it's brilliant, He's brilliant. <laughs>
1: it's
2: great when you have a talent that can actually add to the script as opposed to getting their ego in the what way and the wanting effect? to change things for the sake of changing them you know so uh so the uh, product itself and it's a very entertaining and very cleverly produced video uh how was the video uh, initially distributed i'm curious about that
6: well the campaign to, to launch it um we created the video, obviously, and then there's also the, the, there's the actual institute itself where you can take a virtual tour. To launch the, uh, the actual um, campaign, <clears throat> there were a couple of small components, and they were very modest components. There were two literally just eight-page ads that appeared in a couple of trades. Um, you know, with a picture of John Cleese and and the mention of the Institute for Backup Trauma, and then there was uh, again a very modest banner campaign. I mean, just a handful, and then the 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 biggest component was really an email blast that went out to <clears throat> about uh, 2,000 people that they already knew and were doing business with, and then a list um, of about 150,000 more. Yeah. And the most amazing thing with that is that generally when you're doing email blast. If, you're, if you get a response rate of maybe 0.2%, you're doing fairly well. Um, I, I think because of the, the appearance of you know, John Cleese's face and that in the subject line, the click-through rates on these initial emails were, was 20%. Wow.
2: And what, what have you seen in growth uh, and pass along to the viral effect of the video itself? Any numbers on that?
6: Yeah, well, to date we've had about 500,000 downloads of the film. Um, about a half a million hmm. downloads of the film. There's a, there was a, a 500% increase in qualified sales leads um, for the company. They made some very aggressive uh, targets they wanted to hit by the end of the first quarter, and this launched uh, the 21st of February, which they hit these numbers uh, in advance. And the other part of it that's been really interesting are the hundreds of websites and blogs that actually linked to the video.
2: Wow. Um, which and, uh, of it. Yeah, so you're talking less than four months, a half million hits. I was going to ask what the... Uh, uh, what the revenue, what the uh, objective was is i guess it 's uh, brand awareness creating buzz for the for the uh, company live vault and their product offerings
6: huh that 's a big part of it, and certainly it was um to really pave the way for for the sales calls because that 's obviously ultimately they make a sale you know face to face and mm-hmm. what the sales folks said was that they would walk into these offices there 'd be a poster on the wall because you could you can you can email back and you know log in and, and have a get a poster sent they 'd have uh, Something else you know, on their screen about it, they walk in the door and they said, Oh, Live Vault, I love you guys. And the sales folks said six months ago, I'd walk in the door and they'd say, Who are you? Yeah, really.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, the most important question about this viral marketing effort that you did for uh, Live Vault is what effect has it had on captains of industry advertising and marketing as it relates to uh, clients that hear what effort you made and successful effort, I might add, for Live Vault and have called you and said, Can you do that for me?
6: Well, it's been pretty interesting. Um, we've we certainly, uh, you know, our existing client base has certainly has some interest in it, but it's really opened some doors for us. Uh, at a, you know, we're a small agency; we're you know, 12 people, but it's opened some doors for us in some inside some very large organizations. Uh, and uh, we we did sign one deal recently, um, and we've got uh, a number of others sort of in the works. So it's it's been uh, it's been. Quite successful for us, and, and most importantly, I think it's you know being successful for our clients. Does, well, we uh, does, a,
1: does John Cleese right? often uh, enjoy dressing like a woman?
2: Oh, we wanted to know that too, Fred.
6: <laughs> 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 you know, I think deep down inside, he really gets a kick out of it.
2: I think you're right. I'm well, sure that makes three of us. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, we just have about 20 seconds left. Do you want to mention who that recent uh, account acquisition was? Did you we referring to him generically because you can't say?
6: Yeah, it, it won't launch until later in the year, so I probably shouldn't say. Um, it's yeah, a major okay. food and beverage retailer.
2: Okay. Well, we won't say it's Procter & Gamble or Keebler's <laughs> or somebody like that. Is it we'll just the kind of or the Cola, Fred? We want to know yeah, that. Come on. Right. It could be Pepsi for all we know. <laughs> exactly. If, if I told you, they'd have to kill me. Exactly. Well, hey, that's go, true. Guys,
1: go to uh, backuptrauma.com slash video to catch this. And uh, if you want to find out more about Fred, go to captainsofindustry.com. Fred, thanks for being with us here on the advertising show today.
6: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Have a great day. We'll thanks, be back Fred. in just a minute.
0: make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth.
4: My beer is Ryan Gold, the dry beer, east side, west side, and up, down, and down. Ryan Gold, extra dry beer is the beer
1: Welcome back to the beer show. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the advertising show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. Boy, we then we had some stations going, what? What? Yeah, we didn't order that. Um, anyway, we uh, we uh, thanks to Fred, sir. If you didn't have a chance to go see the video, it would be a good idea to do it. It's called backuptrauma.com forward slash video. So that's, yeah. that's a good way to get there. It's a cute film. Uh, and they probably paid at least 150 bucks, 200 bucks for John Cleese, I'm sure. What do you think, <laughs> Should Mark?
2: I ask? Yeah, yeah should I know, ask?
1: I'm sure he didn't come cheap, but there again, there's a good example of using the right kind of talent and uh, and uh, taking advantage of it. Especially when
2: your client says that they want to use him. I mean, what a great uh, thing to say. Uh, some Most times when a client says they want to use somebody, it's like, oh, my goodness, how are we going to get out of this? Exactly. But exactly. In that case, it was a good pick.
1: Every week we look at the upside and downside of advertising, and that's not to trash any advertisers' av- attempts, although it usually ends up being that but but uh no this week it's not good it's it's the other side it's what it's called and
0: now it's time for the bad advertising item of the week
1: notice the bad advertising one has an arrow going through it and some kind of funny comedic sound effect as well so true what do we got uh, this week here
2: Well, we're featuring General Motors, a GM employee discount for everyone spot that maybe you've seen on television, compliments of Interpublic Group's McCann Erickson. Right. And the spot, if you have, if you're not familiar with it, the spot is basically a montage of GM employees at various locations, uh, the plant, the headquarters, the design studio, etc. And basically these real employees, not actors, making such statements as, I'm proud to be part of the number one car company on the planet, and it continues on with, I'm proud to offer you a choice of 20 different cars, et cetera, et cetera. So the the pride style of commentary continues throughout the spot, and basically it ends with one employee introducing the line, the GM employee discount for everyone, and the spot ends with the employee discount for everyone graphic, along with the entire GM product line, Chevrolet, Pontiac, et cetera, all listed there uh, at the end. And and the spot, I must say, is a very well-executed spot. If you haven't seen it, uh, Mm -hmm. Ray, the creative strategy is certainly outstanding or as you mentioned John Cleese might say brilliant, brilliant uh, b- yes. but the but the uh, but the problem uh, with this particular spot and we've talked about timing issues uh, regarding holiday spots and ads for example special christmas offers airing after christmas president's day sales happening well after president's day mm-hmm. you get the picture in the case of the gm employee discount for everyone tv spot the timing for the spot continues uh, to air a spot like this uh, long after GM has announced, I say long after, and a few weeks ago, GM announced plans to eliminate 25,000 jobs in the U.S. over the next few years. So, you know, while you're thinking about getting an employee discount for everyone, you think about the poor people that are about to or just got laid off. So So when you see this spot, you're immediately reminded of the 25000 uh, uh, job cuts. Right. Uh, so, so here's an example, Ray, of great execution, great brand strategy. What's missing is a, a clear media strategy, or at least whoever's at, in charge at GM or the media agency for making certain that spots air in a timely fashion f- for GM should have pulled the spot, in my opinion, prior to mm-hmm. the uh, job cut announcement. They knew about the job cut announcement coming, and they could have gone dark with this for about 30 days or so, come back with the same spot and avoided any kind of negative reaction from viewers. I'm speculating on that, but I think I'm probably right. So even the big boys, this is the lesson for today, even the big boys like at Interpublic's McCann as well as GM can screw up from time to time, just like a local advertiser does as it relates to timing and your ad message. So sorry, GM and McCann, but you are this week. Ad- advertising item of the week. What a good attempt, just bad timing, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's a great sp- it's a great spot. If you've seen it, if you haven't seen it and you do see it, I, I think they're not going to pull it. It's going to continue to air. So. And
1: they did the the the, uh, the the local dealerships did the same thing as well, the regional uh, uh, you know GM dealerships uh, took advantage of that uh, same type of advertising. It's, it's still to- going on. Yeah, and, and it's just like the airlines. A lot of people don't know this, but if there is an airline accident, uh, uh, there is a written policy that many of the airlines have that say, uh, if, if, if there is an airline crash and there are fatalities, pull my spots. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and if you don't pull them, you're in deep trouble. So, right. uh, it's important to, uh, to have the timing right is there as well. And we've got, to, we're out of time this hour, but we've got to, another hour to come. We hope you do too. Uh, stick around. We've got Alec Gerster coming up. Alec is CEO of Initiative Worldwide, interpublic group company. It's initiativemedia.com, and we'll have Alec on here in just a, well, about 20 minutes or so from, uh, from now. With Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, uh, next hour we've got uh, Jonathan Margolis, guerrilla marketing for the 21st century. We'll be checking in with Andy Borowitz, and you might recall the Russell Crowe phone-throwing incident. Well, uh-huh. we'll be talking about that. And um, uh, the Wacky World of Marketing targets an outdoor ad in New Jersey, which is a very interesting one as well. So that's all coming up here on The Advertising Show. Remember our website, it's com, and we invite you to visit there not only today, but anytime throughout the week. The Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a Big Radio Midgets production. Advertising show, it's hour number two with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And back with a a bunch of stuff this hour, Jonathan Jonathan Margolis will be with us, guerrilla marketing for the 21st century. We'll hear from him in just a few moments. Andy Borowitz is up uh, on tap this hour with the Wacky World of Marketing with our executive producer, Bruce Abbott. And we have Alec Gerster, who will be joining us in about uh, 20 after. With uh, He is the CEO of Initiative Worldwide. And uh, we'll talk with Alex here in just a little while. The Advertising Show is brought to you by... Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production. Hey, Brad, this is interesting. A well-slimmed-down clown to help the McDonald's image. I guess maybe they had uh, Ronald's uh, thighs lipoed. You know (laughs) what I mean? they got those wide thighs that come out like a a riding thing. Uh, (laughs) Iconic restaurant mascot Ronald McDonald received a sporty makeover for a new McDonald's TV spot. Would love to see it. Maybe you have. But marketing experts are divided as to whether the clown-centered campaign will win over health-conscious consumers. Marketing strategist, per se, Al Reese said focusing on him, I think, is a mistake, put the focus on the food and the focus on the restaurants, and I think he's probably right
2: in that case. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think he's on the low hand diet. Or those twins, you know, where that one had that eating disorder. Oh, who, who am I thinking of? Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking
1: about. Uh, yeah,
2: the the is the, the second thing to go. Yeah, yeah no, no, the two the
1: girls, the two the twins. Yeah, Olsen Well, you twins. Know, they,
2: the Olson the Olson twins, Olsen twins. not you. to be confused with Mrs. Olson with the co- coffee company. Doug
1: would like to take the next category for t- uh, fifty.
2: Okay. Uh, okay well, and by the way, let's mention that uh, as you get older, Ray, you're living proof of this. The memory is the second thing to go.
1: <laughs> I understand. Uh, but the uh, yeah, <laughs> the,
2: that's you know that's kind of strange. Yeah? They're trying to introduce what the salad thing that you mentioned a few weeks ago, yeah, and trying exactly. to you know yeah. Well, I, I I've seen some it. of
1: those spots, but uh, uh, I've not seen a slim down. What do, what do you do with Ronald McDonald to make him look thinner? You enter him in a marathon. I guess I don't know. It's kind of strange hey,
2: though you know russia is launching a 24-hour global satellite news channel in english to try to boost the country's image the russia uh, russian channel called russia today is a project of mikhail Leeson, a former communications minister who is now a press advisor to president vladimir excuse me putin Uh, And the uh, president's press secretary is also involved in this, but here's the strange part. It also involves the state-controlled news and information agency responsible for pro-Soviet propaganda in the communist country. So I'm curious... uh, why, if you have a if you have some kind of image problem, would you involve the government in, in uh, a, a TV channel? That's <laughs> the origin of the problem to begin with, yeah, isn't no it? Kidding. Well, yes, in, in, that's, in that case, it definitely is. Yeah, I thought it was exactly. a good idea as you were having a former communications minister involved in this, thinking maybe he was going to go out and make a buck or two on this. But then it's back to involving the state propaganda arm of the communist party. As so. a
1: former communications minister, he is now a consultant. Okay, that's true. Exactly. Uh, I haven't seen this, though, on tBS TBS uh, racy commercial for the reality show, The Real Gilligan's Island, generating complaints and attention. The ad features a food fight between actresses playing Mary Ann and Ginger characters from the original show, evoking the uh, cat fight commercial from Miller Lite. Have you seen that? Have I, not. I have not either. Doc, have you seen no. that? No. Uh, okay. Well, then let's not talk about that, okay? Well, there's or just let's, curious. Let's Let's do a radio version of that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's check in right now. Guerrilla Marketing for the 21st Century. It's Jonathan Margolis on The Advertising Show.
3: And now, it's time for Jonathan Margolis with Guerrilla Marketing for the 21st Century.
5: Picture it. You're in a bar with your buddies. A group of friendly, attractive, outgoing young women seated nearby offer to buy your next round to help celebrate a promotion one of them received at work that day. Being the gentleman your mother's raised you to be, you all gladly accept. Was this, in fact, a friendly barroom gesture, or rather, another example of an unconventional marketing ploy? Sorry to say, my friend, it was most probably the latter. Stealth marketing, also known as undercover marketing, is when agencies send people out while undercover to push a particular product or brand. Things like alcohol, cigarettes, even consumer electronics. Critics of this type of marketing say it's tinkering with our minds and blurring the line between real life and sponsored life. Brands who use it say marketing is most effective when you don't know it's marketing. Is this type of marketing appropriate for your product or brand? Well, that's, of course, for you to decide. In the meantime, the next time an attractive woman offers to buy you a drink, you may want to ask who she's working for. For now, this is Jonathan Margolis for The Advertising Show, reminding you it's a jungle out there. Be a gorilla. This has been
3: Gorilla Marketing for the 21st Century with your host, Jonathan Margolis, president of the Michael Allen Group. To learn more about Jonathan and his company, log on to michael-allen.com.
1: It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, just about to join up with uh, Alec Gerster out of Rye, New York, uh, CEO of Initiative Worldwide. And uh, we'll talk to Alec here in just a, a few moments. Let me read you this, Brad, and I don't quite understand this. This is from the, the Lakeland, Florida Ledger, okay? That's a popular one. I know you get that copy every day. Uh, Uh, Online. I'm online. I'm I'm all over that. (laughs) It also (laughs) came from Associated Press. It said, New ad format casts shadow over newspaper business. Okay, I don't think this is, first of all, a new ad format. So-called shadow ads or watermark ads increasingly are appearing in newspapers. Yes, they are. To the consternation of some editors who feel they violate the traditional separation of advertising and editorial content which makes no sense whatsoever. The ads are printed on the same page and in the same space as ordinary news content. Now, isn't this how you're supposed to do newspaper advertising, boys and girls?
2: <laughs> so
1: I'm, I'm concerned. I'm confused about that concept. It's like they're worried about the fact that people are wanting to run advertisements in the right places. That makes Within no sense. Within the content. Yeah, yeah, you're
2: right. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. it's a great idea. If you, you know, newspapers are struggling, and they're trying to hold on to... Uh, at least uh increasing or keeping rates the same as they're losing audience, and uh, if you want to see where your audience is going, by the way, newspapers check the obituaries that 's where they 're going <laughs> they 're not, they're not replacing those with young readers unfortunately and gosh if you, can you fault an advertiser for wanting that kind of uh, connection to the uh to the eyeballs that are on newspapers today? Well,
1: it just makes a lot of sense to me. I I don't quite get the concept there.
2: You know, know, Jonathan Margolis, during his bit there on guerrilla marketing, was mentioning about uh, stealth marketing. And if you're in a bar and a lady tries to buy you a drink, you might want to be asking... Who does she work for? And I know when you and I were in Nashville, uh, there ha- at the bar, we had a couple ladies buying us drinks, and we asked them who they worked for, and they said they were self-employed. <laughs> so, wasn't that the case? See, we're you're married, though. Your wife's listening. We're married, right? and we didn't. Sorry? You're in deep trouble now, pal. You're sleeping in the No, room, my wife me. isn't listening. Okay. Her lawyer's listening, but my wife isn't listening.
1: <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> yeah. You're dead. Yes, uh, exactly. Uh, I think I think uh, Margolis has some good points
2: there. <laughs> they said, we'll give you a hint. We're in the oldest profession in the world. And That's I said right. Advertising? Outdoor advertising, exactly. Yeah, right. sign salesperson, exactly. yes. yes. You know, a, a PR company in the UK has claimed that the Wall Street Journal will assume a tabloid or a small compact format soon, not not to be uh, confused with the uh, broadsheet that we've all grown accustomed to. Buffalo PR uh, said that the journal will become a compact paper on September I'm sorry, October 17th of this year. uh, Buffalo PR also said they'll be making changes on the editorial front. And if any of this is true, maybe the Wall Street Journal can drop us a line to either confirm or deny this. But uh, this is uh, coming from uh, the U.K., so leave it to someone Uh, Overseas to report on uh, what we're doing here in the U.S. (laughs) Sometimes
1: they have a better handle on it than we do, actually. True. Like a a little crystal ball thing. 877-EBN-Live is our toll-free number, by the way, here at the advertising show. I'm a big fan of TLC and HGTV and all of those kind of networks and everything. And it it turns out, you know, TLC has been having some problems. Uh, The uh, the show... um, (laughs) <laughs> What's it called? Uh, I'll think of second it. Second thing to go, right? Yeah, I'm telling that's exactly you, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, that was a bad joke the first time, Brad. Oh, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> um, now, what, uh, trading Spaces. It was. It was there a huge hit. It was huge, right? Oh, yeah. But it, it was the word was was huge. Now it, yeah. it's pretty much. Um, Down a little bit. Uh, Over, yeah, yeah. And it says TLC, part of the Discovery uh, Communications cable network, is moving away from its home makeover lineup in an effort to boost its ratings, which I think is a mistake. However, the network's reworked lineup, which includes new reality show offerings, could make it difficult for TLC. Uh, to stand out for the this is the upfront ad selling season so th- they're oh. definitely hurting much as we talked about last hour with uh, respect to NBC um, and these guys are just having a tough time of uh, you, you know they developed this brand it was it was really their brand uh, you know they they, right. they had the what's the ABC show with Ty Pennington uh, that's huge absolutely mm-hmm. huge he came from Trading Spaces what was it uh, it's a makeover uh, a
2: makeover thing yeah Extreme Makeover Home Edition yeah, yeah. And, and
1: that was yeah. he was from there so he was lucky I guess he was lucky to get out while he could with the cash and go to Vegas and have a nice day.
2: But, but anyway. you're right. They made a, they made a, a, an entire brand image around that and now they're they're jettisoning that for reality T V, which is certainly nothing novel and everybody else is jumping on that. You know it's yeah, kinda it just like the uh, a mistake, that's all. I imagine they're going to come out with a low carb edition of TLC now that it's uh, I think they have actually yeah.
1: <laughs> low carb would be without the host of trading spaces. It's like why would you fire the host of trading spaces to boost your ratings? Unless you were making a, raise. a whole bunch of money. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. A little bit right. later on this hour, we've got Andy Borowitz on the uh, on the show as well as the uh, wacky world of marketing. Uh, the Russell Crowe phone-throwing incident seems to have uh, still <laughs> lingered in the news, so we'll, uh, we'll, let, uh, we'll find out more about that a little bit later on this hour with Ray Shillens and Brad Forsythe. also want to make sure that you know about our website, theadvertisingshow.com. It is a great place to go when you want to find out more about... What this show is about, and uh, about what we do uh, throughout the week. Actually, uh, it's uh, you know got our bios and everything on there as well. It's got a bunch of um, past shows archived. You can actually listen to, and will be available soon for podcasting as well. The Advertising Show dot com. Back in just a minute with Fred Sir, co-founder and executive producer. No, that's not right. Alec Gerster, CEO, Initiative Worldwide, out of Ryan, New York, on the Advertising Show.
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth.
6: It's Brute Day. Today you've got a running start. You're a man who feels the part. It's your lucky Brute
4: Day today. Get your day off to a running start with Brute 33 antiperspirant or deodorant. It gives you the kind of protection you need to make sure everything goes
1: Yes, Today's a Brute Day. Actually, oh, today is uh, Brad's High Karate Day, uh, not Brute. It's uh, English leather. Engli- oh, it's an English leather day, that's no, right. No, wait a minute. Jade East. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All those wonderful fragrances. On the advertising oh, yeah. show. It's Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and we've got our special guest of this hour is Alec Gerster. Alec joined Initiative as Chief Executive Officer in April of 2002. He is responsible for overseeing the Initiative's worldwide operations. And the uh, global management team to set the direction for corporate strategy and development. In addition to his responsibilities at Initiative, Alec offers his media services expertise to uh, key clients of sister agencies represented by the parent company, the Interpublic Group of Companies, including Unilever and Bank of America. Prior to joining Initiative, he served as CEO of MediaCom Worldwide, which under his uh, leadership became a top global media network. There is more. But as in any mini series or bio, we'll continue that next week at the same time. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the show, Alec. It is good to have you on the advertising
2: show.
8: Well, I'm glad to be here, and thanks for keeping the bio short.
2: Yeah, if, we, if, if it was a three-hour show, we probably would have got another paragraph in, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, th- this is the shameless plug part of the uh, show that we're going to get out of the way early. You replaced Lou Schultz, who retired in two thousand and two. Alec, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Following right. a string of uh, less than, well, let's just say it, a string of losses for Initiative, including the breakup of the longstanding relationship with Walt Disney Company. I'm just curious if you could bring us up to date, Alec, on some of the highlights and milestones since you've t- taken over as CEO of Initiative.
8: Well, I think, um, well, first off, there's, you're always limited as a public company on how specific I can be about the numbers and figures, which is a time right. frustrating, but we've had, uh, I think safe to say, three years of, of uh, uh, pretty decent growth, uh, top and bottom line. Uh, we've we've been able to, I think, realign uh, management in a much more efficient man- manner than it was, I think, uh, a number of years ago, and, and in particular, sort of break through what is not unusual, which was sort of a, a line between the international and domestic operations, uh, as well as uh, a line between the uh... various companies that made up initiative which had uh, started out with disparate companies like western media uh, initiative which was originally out of europe true north which came in with the fcb acquisition so um there, there initially it was it was you know breaking through all those lines which we did and uh... you know since then i think uh... you know it's been a it's been a decent it's been a decent run uh... we've had uh, I think our most uh, recent uh, win which we're quite proud of was the uh, ability to take over the Bank of America business early at the beginning of the year. Uh, and our most recent was uh, picking up uh, Samsonite, excuse me, uh, which is uh, in about 17 countries globally. so we're, and I think that'll be coming out they either came out on Thursday or comes out next week.
2: So if we uh, find you traveling to Charlotte to uh, service the BOA business, you would be packing samsonite, is what you're
8: saying? Yeah, something like that. You got it.
2: Okay. You, know, you you've been quoted as saying, let's get some philosophy going here. We've got just about uh, what have we got? A couple minutes left here in the minute and a half in this segment. Uh, you've been quoted as saying initiative is no longer in the advertising business; that you're more in the ideas business. Explain what you mean by that, Allie. Well,
8: you know, we all grow up in in you know, buying and you know, the the spots and dots, as we call it. Um, But right now, I think a lot of clients, what they're really asking us for is to crack the code to communicate in this highly complicated environment. And what that does is it really does put a premium on uh, ideas and and, uh, the ability to really creatively understand how to get uh, that creative out there in a way that resonates as opposed to uh, disrupt um, what was essentially a consumer entertainment experience. And uh, you know, it really does take both an understanding of the media in terms of the classic uh, data, but also a feel for the creative at the same time.
2: You know, you have an interesting tool that you've created called Prophecy, and it's a a tool that I'm going to leave till next segment for you to talk more about. But it's a very uh, innovative, very outstanding tool to use to project what uh, programs are going to be successful and which are not, and we're going to delve into how that whole thing works, and it is, uh, might add, a proprietary tool of inter- uh, Initiative. So if you want some of that, folks, you can only get it at Initiative Worldwide. and, and You only hear
1: about it here on the advertising show. It's right. to right. the other point. Uh, Alec <laughs> Gerster is our special guest out of Rye, New York, CEO of Initiative Worldwide. And we'll continue with Alec here in just a few moments. On the way, in just a moment as well, it'll be, uh, let's see, who is this? Uh, the Wacky World of Marketing coming up in a moment on The Advertising Show.
0: Make in decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Give way
5: to your heart, your spirit star. with Northwest Airmanship, you fly as you've never flown before.
1: On the Advertising Show with Rachel and Brad Forsyth, back before flying involved body cavity searches and things like that, you see. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. And, and That's why we that don't fly anymore. More than peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> and by, uh, to sell you other stuff that you really don't need. Alec Gerster is our special guest here on the Advertising Show, CEO of Initiative Worldwide. Before we get back to Alex, though, we want to check in with uh, uh, the wacky world of marketing here with our executive producer, Bruce Abbott.
0: And now, it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott.
3: Our Wacky Update heads to Pennsville, New Jersey, where AP reports one unusual use of outdoor advertising... Now everyone knows how William Giuliano feels about New Jersey. Drivers entering the Garden State from the south are greeted by a new billboard reading, Welcome to New Jersey, a horrible place to do business. Giuliano is a developer who wants to put a truck stop on a prime location near the start of the New Jersey Turnpike, but his plans have run afoul of state environmental officials. No word yet on a compromise, but the billboard still remains. And that, my friends, is the Wacky World of Marketing.
0: This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true Wacky World of Marketing.
1: Yes, sir. If you've got the bucks, anybody can have a billboard, can't they, Brad? True. Most most anybody. (laughs) Should we
2: mention our scratch and sniff board
8: that we're going up with here in a few
2: weeks? It'll be up
1: next week, exactly. Right. Uh, Alec Gerster is our special guest out of Rye, New York, a good place to do business. Uh, Alec, welcome back to the advertising show.
8: Thank you very much. Yeah, uh,
2: and, you know, uh, Initiative, for those clients uh, are well aware, that they have many selective, uh, select proprietary tools, including the Matrix suite of tools, which are very powerful strategic communication planning offerings. They also offer eSpy, iSpy, Radar. You can uh, learn all about this through initiativemedia.com. But we're here to talk about uh, Prophecy, Initiative's exciting new tool. First off, Alex, I'm curious if you could just share with us uh, what's the value prop on the uh, new Prophecy tool.
8: Okay, um, I'll give you the headline, but importantly, I'd like to give you some of the context uh, and its sure. development because it, it probably will uh, help un- help you understand how we're attacking the area in general. But uh, prophecy basically goes in and, and uh, audits, if you will, the discourse on the internet uh, regarding programming and and other things, and I was able to pick up not only the amount of discourse regarding, let's say, a particular show or event, but also whether the sentiment is positive or negative, and then even some further diagnostics into what is driving a positive or negative um, uh, sentiment regarding a show. And um, what had happened was uh, we started looking at this uh, two years ago, and and we were beginning to see things pop that maybe the rest of the industry didn't, um, whether you're at the network or whether you're in our side of the business, you, you began to see programs sort of pop and begin to resonate out there uh, before it, the industry could pick up on it. Uh, one of the uh, earlier examples of that was Joan of Arcadia. Uh, and then uh, more recent ones we saw, Back uh, a year ago in July, uh, certainly we saw some um, things like "The Lost" and uh, "Desperate Housewives" popping up, you know, months before uh, they actually premiered on network television.
2: Mm-hmm. Did they, this pro- I'm just curious, did that prompt a relationship with ABC, or do you already have that relationship? Or?
8: Well, what it, actually, it is interesting because um, having had some background in, in network television marketing uh we're actually are talking to a number of the networks to help them uh, analyze and understand uh, their shows in terms of uh, what 's working what 's not and what's um, and, and in fact uh, I think off the record comment from NBC was actually we may have our, our work may have actually led them to amongst other things consider uh, to continue to work with the office next year hmm. Um,
2: well, that's well, that's interesting because they they did uh, it was a 2005 midseason replacement, suggesting that uh, the office uh, was not going to be successful due to low ratings. But I guess you're saying that well, I think they're,
8: they're still they're, you know they're still going to work with it. Um, but yeah. anyway, the the uh, what this really came out of though was was you know there's a fundamental belief that you know basically our industry rides on the back of the media's. Um, attractiveness, if you will, to, to audiences. Um, mm-hmm. And what, uh, and what's happening in this environment is, is uh, you sort of have the ability to have a very a much more intense relationship with, uh, with a given entertainment franchise uh, because of all the various touch points that are out there, whether they're online, whether it's uh, cell phone marketing, whether it's uh, uh, fan magazines, you name it. Um, and what we saw about three years ago um, or what we what I saw when I got here about three years ago was that they had already started to work with uh, the MIT School of Comparative Media Studies or as I call it the softer side of MIT and there was this uh, gentleman up there uh, Dr. Henry Jenkins who's been studying fan culture for decades and um, the research team and initiative has had been in contact with them and actually started to do some work with them, because we realized that a lot of the uh, attributes of fan culture are basically unleashed in this environment of internet, uh, etc. And uh, and you know, and that was sort of the undercurrent of um, understanding fan culture and what people do as intense fans of a given entertainment franchise that led us to start looking at uh, Internet discourse as a, one of the places to capture what people are saying about shows, events, and other entities that are out there.
2: You know, you mentioned uh, online discord or discourse or internet discourse, which I convert as code for positive and negative buzz in what chat rooms and blogs. Let's talk a little bit about your methodology. How much can you disclose to us about behind the research findings, how it's conducted, et cetera?
8: Well, you, first of all, you, you're only going to, obviously to public, you know, places uh, and. What you're doing is, um, you know, think about in the old days. You were talking about newspapers earlier, you know, where you look at letters to the editor, right? Uh, think of this as letters to the editor on steroids. That's uh, really what's going on here. You go to the blogs, various blogs and other entertainment-oriented sites, uh, and see what the discourse is. And, and the mm. second thing is you, you have to be able to code it, which is, which is given the fractional, fractionalized nature of Internet discourse, is not as easy as it sounds. Um, but you 'll find as you do that a couple of things one certainly you 'll pick up that a particular show is getting a lot of talk and maybe has a net positive sentiment um, but even more importantly, it, you begin to get a feeling as to what 's driving the engagement with a given show or a franchise and why that 's important if so you think about it, as we get involved with product placement, we get involved with. Uh, various more uh, tense levels of sponsorship for these shows, it becomes increasingly important to know what are the right elements to key in on. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to work with Desperate Housewives, for example, what, which character do you, would you want to key on for, for a particular product or service? Uh, what is it about the given characters that, that is compelling uh, or off putting, if you will? Hmm. One of the things that uh, we saw coming out of Desperate Housewives actually is there's a lot of interest in the music um, that's uh, on the show. So you can begin to see, all right, um, you know that it, it would begin to give you a roadmap, if you will, about how to use this this stuff more intelligently than just a systematic wild guesses to how to how to uh, do a program sponsorship or how to do a product placement or, or other. Uh, involvement.
2: When you when you talk about the potential success or a network returning to a show that maybe is not having uh, great uh, ratings but yet staying behind it, is there a, a quantifiable predictive capability of prophecy that you can uh, define for us, or is it more of a roadmap as you were
7: alluding
8: to? Well, earlier? the interesting thing was that we started we started down the road uh, with prophecy because we wanted to get better contextual understanding of the individual sh- uh, shows. So that we could use all the various new tools um, more intelligently, we did not expect that we would see some of this predictive uh, capability show up. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and it doesn't, you know, to be to be, you know, honest, it doesn't do it, you know, 100 percent of the time. Uh, but it it got, it did call out, I think, something like four to the top five uh, hits um, for last upfront season. Uh, we'll have to see how it does for this upfront season, but the more you know, the more interesting things about it are. Really, is one is, is the contextual thing. The other is, you know, a lot of this programming now is beginning to move across cultures and countries. And understanding, uh, because you think about the internet, a global product, um, and we can do this in multiple languages. Maybe you begin to get, hopefully, a better understanding as which program franchises can move. From country to country, well, uh, a good which which can be very valuable if you think about it. You know, if everybody knew that Pop Idol was going to be, you know, turn into which was in the UK was going to turn into something as dramatic as American Idol, that'd be great. On the other <laughs> hand, what is it about Big Brother that says it can work in France, in the UK, and Latin America, but not so well here in the United States?
2: I would think uh, production companies that rely on uh, the reselling of their of their programs beyond just the U.S. market, that that would be a, a great tool to have. Are, are they some of your clients?
8: Um, actually, we have uh, one network as a client uh, for the product, and we, uh, we expect to have one of the uh, major European broadcaster also sign up for it.
2: Yeah. Well, somebody's not calling on Paramount, Alec. You need to get them on that, huh? I'm curious. I also read that initiative partnered with the media consulting firm TVTracker.com and right. Chatroom Monitor uh, t- uh, Trendum. Talk a little bit about, if you would, Alec, the strategy behind this and the synergies between these companies. Well, I initiative.
8: mean, the the, the the TV Tracker was was uh, very helpful because they have a, a very comprehensive list as to all the programs. That are in development. Who the talent are, you know, in terms of production. Uh, who's directing. So you get, if you will, a resume for all the programs that are out there. And it's quite complete, and it's and it's quite uh, uh, and it's quite helpful. Um, so that when we put out these reports, not only are you seeing what's going on in terms of sentiment on the shows you also get to see exactly where the show is in terms of uh if it's a new show in terms of development how many episodes are getting produced etc and if it's an existing show how many shows are available where it's just, you know distributed so forth and so on the uh, technology partner had um, you know developed this uh ability to if you will um, code um, the the discourse, so that you could begin to uh, relatively efficiently figure out w- or see w- what's what's going on, not only in terms of positive, negative buzz, but the more interesting dynamics as to what's driving the the buzz.
2: Alec, we have less than thirty seconds. Other than what you've already mentioned, any winners we should be looking for in this fall, new fall uh, program uh, season, I should say. Well,
8: it's a little you know, it's a little early to say right now. <laughs> uh, and we're going through our, our share estimates, but uh, I think uh, everybody was feeling quite good about, uh, again, the ABC lineup that they've done done quite uh, quite a good, uh, you know, quite a good uh, job. And my congratulations to them.
1: On that note, uh, th- Alex, thanks for being on the advertising show, Alec Gerster, CEO, Initiative Worldwide. Uh, go to initiativemedia.com to find out more about that company. Have a great weekend, Alex. Thanks for joining us here. Back in just a minute with more of The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. We have Andy Borowitz on the way.
0: Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Because
7: I'm a wolf. I can bring home a bacon, I mean,
2: fry it up in a pan, I mean, and never let you forget you're a man.
3: Give her I shall leave an eight hour
4: proof. with a 24 inch old woman.
1: And you're in deep trouble. Five it's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Uh, thanks to Alec Gerster, our special guest, CEO Initiative Worldwide, Fred Sir, our number one, the co-founder of Captains of Industry. A uh, couple of great guests. We have uh, Tony Kern up with us next week. He's, he's the uh, U.S. Deputy Managing Partner, uh, Technology, Media, and Telecommunications Group of Deloitte & Touche, and uh, we're going to um, have him on the show next week. That'll be fun, Brad. You know, yeah. b- before we uh, talked about General Motors, and the uh, in last hour with the with the bad advertising thing, and I figured out how they can give the discounts to uh, to people the employee discounts. It says General Motors is writing a plan wherein advertising agency performance bonuses will be more closely linked with GM corporate profits and divisional sales. so there you go it 's a new oh. agency compensation plan, so if you 're an agency working with General Motors. That's what's going to happen, boys it's and girls. It's a good
2: reason to keep your spot on the air, right? <laughs> exactly. What a
1: deal! Uh, yeah. This past week, Russell Crowe uh, Russell Crow is a highly spirited and a very good actor, of course. But mm-hmm. he's just a he goes a little bit too far from time to time. Here's Andy Borowitz.
6: Hi,
3: this is Andy Borowitz for the Advertising Show, and now here's this week's feature from the Borowitz Report. Just one day
1: after actor Russell Crowe hurled a telephone at a hotel desk clerk, cutting a man below the right eye, thousands of activists marched on Washington, calling for Congress to adopt stricter phone control measures. Chanting, heck no, phone for Crowe, the protesters marched up and down in front of the Capitol in what organizers are calling the largest phone control demonstration ever. The phone control movement, one of the most persistent and vocal lobbying groups in Washington, has long warned lawmakers about the dangers of easily available phones falling into the hands of volatile, babyish movie stars. But the Crow incident, which occurred early Monday morning in New York City, may be the catalyst the movement has been seeking to raise Congress's awareness of the need for phone control. What are they waiting for? For Russell Crowe to throw his cell phone at a flight attendant in first class when he doesn't get his martini fast enough, says Bobby Diedmer, one of the rally's organizers. The time to act is now. But even as the phone control movement appears to be reaching critical mass, their opponents, the powerful phone rights lobby, is warning legislators not to demonize all phone owners because of the behavior of one hot-tempered Australian movie star. Davis Brogan, a powerful pro-phone lobbyist in Washington, held a press conference to deliver what he called an important message to Congress. The fact is, phones don't cut hotel desk clerks below the eye. Russell Crowe cuts hotel desk clerks below the eye. Elsewhere, the government reported that murder and violent crime is down everywhere,
3: except on television. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the advertising show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby.
1: This just in, one in two new Americans is Hispanic.
3: (laughs) Yes, it's true. Really?
1: Yeah, it says U.S. Census Bureau data shows one in two of the 12 million individuals added to the U.S. population since 2000 is Hispanic.
2: Okay. Well, added since 2000. By the way, I've got a late breaking news item here, Ray. Mary Hilton just uh, called me from the American Ad Federation. Well, we She's the director of Mary. communications. We can't tease Mary anymore. She just okay. called and she said that she would be sending you an email thank you note for last week's mention during the Addy Awards mm-hmm. and be looking for that uh, through your server. And if your computer doesn't work after you open her email, she said, "Just check with your local IT department." <laughs>
1: I thought you were going to say from her lawyer. <laughs> well, hey, no, we thanks. We love, love Mary. Thank, yeah, we do love Mary, and we we uh, we hope that she still loves us too, even after this past weekend. Well, uh, no, that, we had a blast in Nashville. Yeah. It was fun. It was a lot of we fun. We did, and uh, all of the great people. Uh, you know, Wally, uh, who is was the, uh, the, the president of the American Advertising Federation. Wally Snyder, yeah. And uh, who else do we have to say thank you to very cool. Well,
2: Mary Hilton just called again. She said it was very breezy there during the Addy Awards. Very cool in that room.
1: Yes, she was, wasn't she?
2: Peter, Peter, <laughs> Peter C., who was the
1: executive vice president of Marketing Communications, is also a great help during that time as well. Oh, yeah. So uh, we had a blast. And I uh, hope you had a chance to catch the uh, the, uh, the webcast as well. The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth is is over for today, but that's okay. We'll be back next week. Same time, same station, right? Exactly. And uh, at theadvertisingshow.com. You can always find us there throughout the week. The Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit them online and age.com Don't forget to join us next uh, Sunday for uh, Tony Kern, who is U.S. Deputy Managing Partner of Technology and Media and Telecommunications Group of Deloitte and & Touche, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to talking with Tony then. Have a great week, and uh, visit the website if you would, too. Advertising Show is a Big Radio Midgets production.